everybody, thanks for joining us here. We're going to give you just a moment. Uh, Dr. Scott Jensen will be joining us live, taking your questions. Many of you know Dr. Jensen. We had him on a little over a year ago, and uh, went pretty, pretty viral with some of the things he shared. So if you want to talk about the COVID vaccine, Minnesota, whatever it might be, uh, please share this with family and friends. I think you're going to appreciate Dr. Jensen, his point of view, and uh, his willingness to be forthright with the questions that you have. So stay with us. We'll give it just another minute or so. We'll jump in. All right. Thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, joining us now on this live stream. He's running for governor in the great state of Minnesota, Dr. Scott Jensen. Dr. Jensen, always great to see you. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. It's great to be on, Chris. So I want to share with our audience. Um, you were just at a, if I can get this to actually show up here, for some reason it's not want to cooperate, but you were just at a, a health freedom rally in St. Paul at the Capitol. I'm, I'm curious because it's always fascinating to sort of hear what your constituents are saying. What kind of feedback are you getting from people about COVID, the vaccine, the mask mandate? What are they saying to you? They're saying, let freedom ring. That's what they're saying. The rally had, I don't think we really got it going. I was contacted Friday afternoon after a Democratic legislator in both the House and the Senate Put, submitted bills to remove the ability to exempt oneself on the for vaccines based on religious beliefs or conscience. And basically it was a hard driving bill that says, we're going to mandate that kids have to be vaccinated against COVID-19, regardless of what parents are saying. That's really the long and the short of it. So Friday afternoon, I think it got announced, and Monday we had almost, I don't know, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people there today. And they're motivated. And they're angry on the one hand, they're frustrated on the other, and they know that we're a better country than this. And these are not folks that are anti-vaxxers or conspiracy theorists. These are thoughtful parents that believe in health freedom and realize that the last 15 months we have witnessed an expansion of government intrusion in our lives like never before. And they're simply saying enough is enough. And I think they look at me and they say, well, Dr. Jensen shares our values. And one of the things I share with these folks, Chris, is this isn't about a person. This isn't about a family doctor from Watertown. This is about a set of values that we need to once again elevate that reveals that we're going to focus on faith, family, and freedom. And we're going to respect the Constitution. And we're, we're going to try to limit government dominating our lives. Those are the things we're going to do. We're going to protect life from beginning to end. These children are our children. They're not the state's children. Parents get to choose. Where we're at is just absolutely confounding. So, Doc, can you repeat that for a moment? You suggested that somewhere in the conversation that people are concerned or you're hearing that the government's going to force the kids to get the COVID-19 vaccine. What was that? Well, that's what the bills, the bills that were submitted on Friday, basically are bills that would mandate 
that kids be vaccinated against COVID-19. The bills are written in language that doesn't say exactly that, but that's effectively what it would do, is it would allow the state to, to mandate that kids be vaccinated against COVID. All right, Doc, so I wanna play for you then a couple clips actually from a Texas state senator, and he alluded to a little bit about what you're saying, talking about, hey, look, you got to remind you, this isn't an, an FDA emergency approval, not a full FDA approval. So I'm going to play a little bit of this for you, give you a chance to respond, and then play some more um, on the other side, okay? A threat to their own health and safety. It is no secret that the COVID-19 vaccines are not FDA approved. The governor himself recently said, and I quote, here is a reality everybody needs to understand. These vaccines have not been formally approved by the FDA. They have not been approved for, they have been approved for emergency use operation. And that means no one can be required to take the vaccine. So I guess help us understand what emergency approval means versus full FDA approval is what he said they're accurate. He was talking about the EUA, which is an emergency use authorization. And that's the status that all of the COVID-19 vaccines have right now is emergency use authorization. None of them have been approved. I'm no lawyer, but there's been a question. Could government possibly require or mandate the vaccines be given if they have not achieved an approved status? but rather only been allowed on an EUA basis or emergency use basis. And I don't know that the courts have settled that issue with certainty. I know that it certainly weakens the argument for the people who would want to mandate that everybody must take the vaccine. Because the fact of the matter is, there has been no approval. Generally, if, if you come up with a drug and you do get FDA approval, if we see something like 25 deaths from that drug, you'll get a black box warning from the FDA. If you get over 50 deaths, you may well have that drug approved. Well, the CDC itself has acknowledged that there's hundreds of deaths strongly connected with when the COVID-19 vaccine was given. Some VAERS data indicates that the number is somewhere between three to 5,000. But regardless, the CDC acknowledges that there's hundreds. If you go back to 1976, Chris, with the swine flu vaccine program, there were some, I think, 55 deaths and 500 cases of Guillain-Barre, which is a French polio. It's an ascending paralysis from the legs off. Anyway, I think there are like 55 deaths, and that program was suspended and never restart. So what we're seeing is an unprecedented situation. We're using emergency use vaccines. The CDC tells us that there's hundreds of deaths connected to it. Perhaps the sequence of causation cannot be completely established, but if you have a 16 year old healthy young lady who takes a vaccine and two days later she gets sick and nine days later she dies, I think that you've got a pretty strong connection but this is the situation, and I think everybody needs to realize that if you have a drug out there that gets approved by the FDA and you have some 50 deaths, that drug will probably be pulled. And if you look at the 1976 flying flu vaccine program, that was suspended and never restarted. 
So what we're seeing here is unprecedented. And then we've got a senator and a House member in Minnesota saying, we're going to mandate that kids are going to get vaccinated against COVID and we're not going to let parents have a choice. This is astonishing. So please, we are a very action-oriented show. What can people do if if they, no matter where they're at, okay, I'm not going to take a, a point of view on this, but what can people do to let their voice be heard one way or the other regarding kids being forced to be get the COVID-19 vaccine? Well, first off, the bills are not going to go anywhere this session because today will be the last day and there'll be a, an emergency, there'll be a special session. But the fact that those bills were submitted really strikes at the heart of so many parents and grandparents and people who really honor health freedom. I think what people need to do is they need to try to remember how they're feeling today, how they felt this past weekend, knowing that there's a, there's people out there willing to take away their rights as parents, willing to take away their own health freedom. And you need to not just engage for the weekend or for today or at a rally. You need to be the influencer that you can be. You need to have conversations with your neighbors and your family and your friends. You need to ask one another, is this what we want to be as a country? I think that we're going to have one of the most important elections we've ever had in 2023. If it were not in Minnesota for the Republican Senate, a lot of these things wouldn't be discussed. They would have become law. Governor Walls would have signed it. People need to get in, stay involved, stay engaged. They need to go to their precinct caucuses and they need to become delegates and they need to go all the way to the state convention so that they can help select who the next endorsed Republican candidate will be. Dr. Jensen, I'm going to bring uh, producer Anna in in a moment. She is having a certain reaction to the second dose of the vaccine. First, I just want to ask you some questions because there was a piece in the local paper here that made uh, some mention of some things. And I want to give you as a doctor a chance to respond. So this is, I'm quoting here, officials and doctors say concerns about the vaccine safety are rooted in misinformation and do not reflect reality. You just talked about the number of deaths. Is this an accurate assessment from the paper or are they, are they giving out misinformation? I'll get myself in trouble on this one, Chris, but they're drinking the Kool-Aid. That's what's happening. Physicians are frightened. There's a lot of physicians who are not going to take a stand and they're going to go with, if you will, the group think flavor of the day. But when I was at this rally, I had hundreds of people come up to me and you would be astonished at how many were RNs. Now, the thing about registered nurses that people need to understand is that these are the caregivers. As physicians, we oftentimes go in and we write orders and we do this and we do that. But when it comes to actually caring for the patient, giving the cares, it's the nurses. And they understand a lot. So when you've got oodles and oodles of RNs coming and saying, we support you, Dr. Johnson. We appreciate your speaking out for us. I had one person there who, who had a relative who worked for CDC. And she was talking to me and she said that he works for that I think a week or two ago to the Senate uh, when he testified that there's some 40 to 50 percent of the people that work for the, the NIH, I think, that have not been vaccinated. Yes. The CDC, a huge chunk of people that have not been willing to get vaccinated. What we're trying, what we're seeing the mainstream media try to do is they're, 
They're trying to paint the people who have said, no, thank you. I appreciate its availability, but I'm not going to do that right now. They're trying to paint them into a corner, trying to make them a bad person and not someone who's interested in the common good. Hogwash. All right, Doc, one other question that we're going to bring in, Producer Anna. So the other thing they said, I want to get your take on this, because everyone's talking about these high vaccination rates. And yet when they talk about these high vaccination rates, they never talk about the people that have already had COVID and have the antibodies. So, again, the paper says others may think, and I'm quoting, others may think they don't need the jab since they already recovered from the disease. Experts dispute this logic and recommend vaccination regardless of prior infection. What say you? There was two words that really stick out that are true, what you just read. Experts dispute, and that's important. This is not settled science. Quite frankly, there are highly regarded physicians, scientists, epidemiologists all over the country that disagree on this. So when someone sort of pontificates and tries to tell us that this is settled science and we know best, garbage. That's not the case at all. Dr. Peter McCullough is actively taking care of patients with COVID-19. He has come out and indicated that if you look at SARS-CoV-1, at the length of antibodies, people who recover from that disease have, have maintained their antibodies. It's actually, it's years. There is no clear evidence that the vaccine provides any particular advantage over naturally recovering from the disease. The fact of the matter is, in a lot of places, a significant percentage, in several places, more than 50% of the new COVID cases are in people who had gotten vaccinated. We have been told by the CDC and the FDA that the vaccine will not stop you from getting the disease, nor will it, for certain, stop you from transmitting it. What they're saying is, in terms of severe disease, hospitalization, death, that's where it, it shines. Fine. But let's remember, typically when we give a vaccine, we're trying to tell someone, we give you the vaccine, you won't get the disease. We're not being told that at all here. Why not? I mean, I, I know there's going to be, and there, there's some data here that talks about um, you're going to have breakthrough infections, they're calling it, right? Where you get vaccinated, we know it's not 100%, but I guess what's fascinating is that they're pushing this vaccine so hard. And now you're saying, hey, Chris, the CDC, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is telling you, hey, even if you get vaccinated, you still might get it and you still might transmit it. That's exactly right, Chris. And that's why we had that two to three week gap where Dr. Walensky seemed to be at the CDC waffling and fumbling the ball. And then finally last week, without any new data, all of a sudden the world changed. And we pivoted and if, you get, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks. And then President Biden doubled down on it. And then Governor Walls came out and says, yep, the mask mandate is over. Bottom line is there's so much we don't know. But we do know that if you get the vaccines, you can still get the disease. It's happening to a significant amount. You can still transmit the disease. The benefit from the vaccine is most likely going to be seen in preventing severe disease as long as the vaccine doesn't cause harm, which is a whole other dimension. It's unbelievable. Um, I want to ask you a question here, Doc, that we've got. How long do the COVID antibodies last after having COVID? Well, in 2002, when we had SARS-CoV-1, people got the disease. It wasn't nearly what we thought it was going to be. But many of the people that did recover from the disease, which was far away, most of them, 
they had back, they had antibodies checked for years after that. And I believe I read a study that said 80 to 90% of those people still had antibodies five years later. Uh, Dr. McCullough said recently that it was more than a decade that they would keep antibodies. Now, in regards to COVID-19, I have been tracking my own patients if they want me to in regards to are they continuing to hold on to that threshold, that measurable threshold level of antibodies after they recovered from COVID-19. And I haven't had any patients yet lose their antibodies. And one patient I think of in particular, uh, was very sick with COVID. Uh, he was hospitalized for two or three weeks. And that was more than a year ago. And he still has the antibodies. So I think that there's every reason to be encouraged, every reason. Wow. Um, all right. Just to be respectful of your time, Doc, I know we've got you for a limited amount of time. I guess what I'd like to ask two more things. One is when you look at this pandemic, for example, the World Health Organization came out today and said, hey, look, this thing is far from over. Where do you see us at? Are we in the first inning, the fourth inning? How would you assess where we're at right now with this COVID fight? I have to smile because I remember confronting Dr. Mike Osterholm's comments a while back when he had said we were, you thought we were in the third inning and and then he had said that I think in January or February, we were in for a gruesome, bleak, dreary, dark 14 weeks. And it hasn't quite turned out that way. And I remember telling someone, well, perhaps uh, Dr. Ostrom thinks baseball is a five-inning game. But <laughs> if you're going to have a nine-inning game, if you're going to have a nine-inning game, I think we're in the eighth inning. We may be in the bottom of the eighth inning. If you look at the swine flu epidemic, I think, of 2009, I believe that was about 19 months. In 19 months, in this one would be January through maybe September. That would be approximately the same time frame. And I think what you see is you see sort of a, a trickling down, and then you'll see the World Health Organization at some point in time declare that the pandemic's over. Whether that happens in August or September, October, they may be hesitant just because they're concerned about another surge. But I think we're on the right side of this mountain. We're We've hit that zenith, we're climbing down the other side, and I think lots of things are happening. And we still don't understand all. There was an interesting article the other day that came out and talked about how typical cold virus—it's a rhinovirus, just a common cold—that may actually make it more difficult for COVID-19 to invade our systems because if we get a common cold, our immune system gets pretty jacked up, and so we have a ready state of alert going on already. And there was, I think it was in, uh, I don't know, the British Medical Journal, BMJ, that, that, that article. It, it could have been that or it could have been the New England Journal. I can't remember which one, but we're seeing good stuff happening. And then now yeah. we, got, we got evidence that outside transmission is just minuscule. Doc, last question from a viewer here, and I and maybe you want to talk to this as a prophylactic, prophylactic and or treatment. But it says, are you or other docs in the region prescribing uh, ivermectin and or hydroxychloroquine. And there's a great study in Argentina where ivermectin and one other drug, I mean, had a hundred percent effectiveness rate in a hospital as a prophylactic. So what say you, doc? Every doc's different. I don't know what other docs are doing. I know that the great majority of physicians aren't. Many physicians get angry at their patients for even bringing it up. I do treat my patients with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, if I think it's clinically appropriate and I have the conversation with patients I have to have. I think that all of us, well, let me just start with this. We're going to see some patients that are disappointed that they did get vaccinated. They're going to be those people out there because they're going to realize that you can't get unvaccinated. 
what do I recommend for those folks? I think zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D is important. Tune into your health. It may well be that measurements like sed rates and reactive proteins may need to be done to see what level of inflammation is going on from your system that may have been triggered from the vaccine. I think steroids like vedesonide may be necessary. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine for people who have been vaccinated is not like, I wouldn't expect that to be of any assistance, but for people that are getting acute COVID-19, if they're in the first five or six days and they're going in the wrong direction rather than the right direction, and I have a conversation with them, I will treat them with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. I, I use quite a bit of steroid. I will use azithromycin if I think there's any evidence of a bacterial infection. There's doxycycline has value as well. There's other steroids that can be helped. Uh, there's also, if you will, monoclonal antibodies, which have been helpful. But um, it's it's really got to be a decision made between patient and physician when you talk about things. Doc, if you don't mind, I know you said you have 20 minutes. Can I ask you two more quick questions, sir? Thank you. Um, one is I haven't heard anybody say this, and you just did. And I'm curious what made you say You said, hey, Chris, there's going to be some people out there that got the vaccine that are going to be disappointed that they did. Why do you say that? because those patients are coming in and talking to me. They're saying, you know, I, I felt like this is what I was supposed to do, or I, I, I thought that, you know, I, I wanted to be able to get together with my daughter or grandchildren, and the only way I could do that is if I got vaccinated. Now I wish I hadn't. I had a, well, Eric Clapton, I don't know if you saw that. I think it was Eric Clapton that a tweet. Uh, what happened to him after, when he got vaccinated? I mean, he had a terrible reaction. And, there's thousands of reactions occurring. I'm certainly having a lot of patients in mind tell me, because I've been more than a thousand patients get vaccinated and there's been a fair amount of significant reactions to it. It still grieves me deeply that somehow the FDA and the CDC have encouraged pregnant women to get vaccinated like with an mRNA vaccine that I just, I think that's astonishing. You're looking at a group of people that if they got COVID-19, they, they might not even know they had it. If they did know they had it, symptoms are probably going to be eminently mild and they're vaccinating with a growing baby inside them just mm, makes me nervous. Yeah. We had somebody on an earlier live stream doc, their grandma had adverse reaction to the second shot. I was going to have producer Anna share her story with you, but uh, she's actually at the doctor, I believe. And I don't know if I'm disclosing, but I will say this: she has been open to me. She said she was going to join us today and say, Hey, I'm having a very adverse reaction to it as well. I just, what, what's going on that people are having that kind of reaction to the vaccine? Well, we're seeing issues with the clotting mechanism in the human body. We're certainly seeing that. And then we have a whole group of people out there that have Leiden factor five mutation. And I don't really think there's any way that we can speak with any scientific authority as to what they should be doing. If we're gonna have micro blood clots form, it may be very appropriate for people that got vaccinated uh, to consider talking to their physician about the potential benefit of taking an aspirin a day for a month or two. I think that we need to stay tuned in to that level of inflammation that might be going on in terms of inside a person's body, as I mentioned. This is such uncharted territory that I hope that physicians can back away from their own viewpoint and try to consider their patient's viewpoint. Patients are not stupid. They should be empowered and entitled to be their own best champion of their health care. So physicians have got to get off the pedestal and talk with them. That's what 
That's what serving others is. That's what being a physician is. That's the oath that we took when we said that we would care for patients. You're a doctor, so you see it through a certain purview. Uh, I come from a world of Tony Robbins, sales and influence. When I see all these people using the influence tools that they use, the tools of persuasion, it really concerns me because they're like, look, you don't need to use these kind of unconscious persuasion tools to get me to go do this if it's so effective. And now you're telling me you've got people coming into your office saying, hey, I did this. I wish I wouldn't have those persuasion tools. I'm going to presume is what kind of got those people to go take actions that they're maybe now regretting. That may well be the case. I would say this. You can use a term like persuasion, and I could accuse you of using a euphemism. I think for a lot of people, it feels like being bullied. I really do. I think that patients feel denigrated, demeaned. Many physicians almost scoff at patients. This is remarkable. This is a profession. This so, so, and again, I want to be respectful of your time. So if you say, hey, Chris, I got to go, I get it. But I always love our conversation. So um, the mask thing, right? Now, if you've been vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, which it, it seems like it's an easy target. If you're going to be honest and you haven't vaccinated, you're wearing a mask. And somebody sent me a picture. And again, I, I'm just going to share with you what the picture was. And we don't need to touch that topic. But the, the picture was a person with a yellow star as a mask. And I think that's what some people are saying to me they're concerned about is this is going to be an easy way to sort of target people out. I just want to get your reaction to the mass and the pressure and, and just your reaction. And we'll let you go. On masks, I think we can probably say at least two or three things with some scientific basis. Number one, there have been some studies that indicate that if you wear a mask, the structure or the lattice work of the mask will certainly bring about some collision with COVID-19 particles. So the amount of viral load that's expelled or breathed in with the mask intuitively would be less. And I think in Japan, they have a study done that indicated 28 to 42% reduction. So that would be one thing I think we can say. I think we've seen other studies where people wear masks all the time and another group wore them none of the time. And we found that both groups continued to get COVID-19, perhaps at a slightly different rate. But on that basis, I think we can deduct, deduce that wearing a mask does not prevent you from getting the disease. It may reduce the viral load that you're exposed to or that you breathe out, but it doesn't prevent the disease with 100% certainty. And then I think the last thing we could perhaps surmise is that If you're going to wear a mask, it would be best to wear the best mask, which would be an N95 mask. It's fitted. And that would be, I think, a logical move for those people who are at significant risk of COVID-19. Because we are getting closer and closer to herd immunity if we're not already there. And so the longer we get into that territory of herd immunity, those folks that are really susceptible out there will soon be protected because the COVID-19 virus will not be able to penetrate that cocoon of, if you will, recovered and vaccinated persons. Now, mind you, Chris, I said 
vaccinated and recovered. Texas just passed, I think, last week legislation that said that they will count recovered patients with antibodies as part of the herd immunity. This is where herd immunity has always been calculated. Science, science has been truly bastardized. I've seen people who have said, we're only going to count you towards herd immunity if you've been vaccinated. That is nonsense. Because think of measles. If you were born before 1957, you don't need to be vaccinated and you don't need to have your antibodies levels checked because we presume that you had it and you are a part of that calculation that goes into what's herd immunity for measles. So we've always said that it's those that are recovered plus those that have been vaccinated. That number needs to exceed a certain portion. And that's where we're at. Last question, Doc, and you, you just hit on something that I, look, I'm not saying I went to the school of Mensa, but I watch these other, you know, Sunday shows and whatnot, and they never ask about the COVID antibodies. They just go vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. So with that being said, my question is to you, here we are with a nationwide 98.3% survival rate, 98.8% survival rate in Minnesota. Have you ever seen so much, you said bullying, I'll say persuasion to get people vaccinated with a survival rate of 98.3 plus percent? I never have. You're right, Chris, I do have to run. But for a lot of those people that are being bullied with the most intensity, they actually have a 99.997% chance of recovering. I've never seen anything like right. it. I never see it again. Chris Doc, is- thank, thank you for being so great for your time. I appreciate it very, very much. Just so you know, Dr. Jensen is going to join me next week on the radio as well. And Doc, keep up the great work. If you can, Doc, your website real quick so people want to find out more about you. DrScottJensen.com, D-R-S-C-O-T-T-J-E-N-S-E-N.com. Visit our website. Join our movement. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thanks. All right. We got a lot more to discuss here on the show. I want to share with you a little bit more about uh, what a Texas senator said. Dr. Jensen touched upon it, but this other gentleman sort of laid it out in another numeric way where you can get maybe a better idea of the past vaccinations versus what's currently happening now. Um, also, I'm going to share with you from, it was the mid-1970s, a vaccination program we had here in the United States. And I want you to watch. It's from 60 Minutes, but the government, I'll call it propaganda. I said persuasion there to Dr. Jensen, but the government persuasion tools that were used to get people vaccinated. In fact, I may even, I may even start there because I think Dr. Jensen touched on it. And I just think it's such a powerful piece knowing that it's 60 Minutes again. This is from the 1970s. I know that technology has advanced a lot. We've talked here a lot on point of view, but look, this is the first M, mRNA vaccination ever. So I think you need to be aware of that. Again, is it good, bad, right, or wrong? I'm not going to get into that here. All I'm suggesting is do your own homework. Understand that because we are going to play the piece here about the deaths that have been attributed to this vaccine. Now, is that because of the mRNA? Is that because it's new? Is that because it's you know FDA emergency approval? I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying that these are things that I think we want to look at. Aaron, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you saying that because when I share with you in a moment, wow, why is my, why is my screen so blue? Um, when I share with you this in a moment, I think it's going to be fascinating for you to see uh, what went on in 60 minutes a while ago. So just give me a second. It's a little bit difficult to share this, but I'm going to figure it out. And I think you're going to be like, wow. So if you can't hear it, please tell me. Come on now. Where did this thing go? Here it is. Okay. 
Uh, let's see if this works, folks, because I think you're going to go, holy cow. Hmm, now it didn't want to play for me. All right, maybe what I'll do is I'm going to just set this up like this and hit play. And if you can't hear it, I'm going to need your help to tell me that, okay? Ah, uh, this is too tough. All right, I'm going to see if I can get this figured out for us, folks, because it's that powerful of a piece. And right now I'm just, you can hear. Okay, thanks, guys. Just be patient. I'm going to get this set up. It, for some reason, it wouldn't upload here the way I normally have it. And now it's given me a little bit of a, of a hassle. So hopefully I can figure this out. <laughs> Maybe what I'll do is stop my camera. I just think it's such an important piece. All right, you know what? Let me play this doctor for you guys. I mean, uh, the state senator. And then I'll see if I can figure out the 60 minutes piece for you. Because this one's fantastic as well. When you hear what this gentleman has to say about prior vaccines versus this one, it's stunning. A little bit of history. In 2019, there were reported to the VARS 203 vaccine deaths. In 2018, 119. and 27, 85. Since December of 2020 through April 23rd of 2021, four months, there have been reported 3,362 deaths for COVID vaccine. That's roughly 30 people a day dying from this vaccine or one of them. Vaccine adverse event reporting system, VAERS, is estimated by most people that follow it as being less than 1% of what actually happens. Compare the COVID vaccine to the mandated vaccine for bacterial meningitis, one person died between the time of 2007 and 2015 for that vaccine. Folks, this is not about vaccines in general. In the four months of 2021, we've had more COVID-19 experimental vaccine deaths than all the vaccine deaths for the 15-year period between 1997 and 2013, plus almost 1,000 heart attacks and over 8,000 hospitalizations. In 1976, there were 45 million people were vaccinated for the swine flu. A mere 15 people died, and I don't say that lightly because any death is very regrettable, but the program was immediately halted because it was considered too risky. 53 deaths, and we've had approaching 4,000 with the COVID. Even vaccines that are FDA approved can still have significant side effects. The FDA's vaccine adverse reporting system contains 44,383 reports of Texans suffering from adverse events following vaccination. The federal government has also paid out more than 4.5. So you get the drift, folks. Um, there's some challenges. And I think the one thing that's so disheartening is the fact that here this person is laying down stats. Dr. Jensen had similar stats, and yet how many of you are hearing that in the media right now? 
This is why I brought up the piece of Dr. Jensen about persuasion, persuasion, persuasion. We talked about this, I think it was a week or two ago, where Joe Biden is using what's called social proof. If you're not familiar with social proof, uh, please do yourself a favor and start to know social proof. It is one of the most powerful persuasion tools out there. It's completely unconscious. 80% of influence is unconscious. And so you need to know if someone's trying to influence you in an unconscious way, how they're doing it. You may not even be able to stop yourself from actually not following through. That's how powerful it is, but at least you know, right? At least you know, okay, you know what? I'm being persuaded here, but it is what it is. So the experimental jab is not FDA proof. Exactly. We talked about that earlier. Um, Lois, thank you for your factual reporting. You the man. <laughs> you the man, Lois. You're the best. Thank you very much for that. Um, please give me some patience here, okay? I do want to play this 60 Minutes piece for you. I'm not exactly sure why I'm having sort of an issue with it right now, but I do want to bring this up. I'm going to do the best I possibly can to play it so it works for you and it's an effective uh, communication tool for you to see uh, what's happening here. So give me just a moment and I will see if I can get this to actually be a little bit better for us to work for some reason. Oh, I think I got it. If you can, if you can't hear this, please tell me. And if you can, please tell me that's how good this is. So let's see if this works folks. And we're going to give it a shot. 60 minutes. All right. Listen closely, please. The flu season is upon us. Which type will we worry about this year? And what kind of shots will we be told to take? Remember the swine flu scare of nineteen seventy six? Can you hear this? That was the year the U.S. government told us all that swine flu could turn out to be a killer that could spread across the nation. And Washington decided that every man, woman, and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. Okay, you just can't see it. Darn it. Because of what happened when they took that shot. By far the greatest number of the claims, two-thirds of them, are for neurological damage or even death, allegedly triggered by the flu shot. We pick up the story back in 1976 when the threat posed by the swine flu virus seemed very real indeed. This virus was the cause of a pandemic in 1918 and 1919. So this is President Ford. And over half a million deaths in the United States, as well as 20 million deaths around the world. Thus, the U.S. government's publicity machine was planned into action to urge all America to protect itself against the swine flu menace. Influenza is serious business. During major flu epidemics, millions of people are sick and thousands die. Well, this year you can get protection. The vaccines are safe, easy to take, and they can protect you against flu. So roll up your sleeve. Now, I, I wish you could see this because this is a government-sponsored advertisement, okay? This is a government-sponsored advertisement. I'm going to play it for you again, but listen closely to what they say, and then listen to what a story is of a particular woman of what happened. Again, I apologize you can't see this. I will get this figured out and probably play it again this week. But again, this is a government-sponsored advertisement about the vaccine. government's publicity machine was cranked into action to urge all America to protect itself against the swine flu menace. Influenza is serious business. During major flu epidemics, millions of people are sick and thousands die. Well, this year you can get protection. The vaccines are safe, easy to take, and they can protect you against flu. So roll up your sleeve. Protect yourself. 
One of those who did roll up her sleeve was Judy Roberts. She was perfectly healthy, an active woman, when in November of 1976, she took her shot. Two weeks later, she says, she began to feel a numbness starting up her legs. I joked about it at that time. I said, I'll be numb to the knees by Friday as it just keeps up. By the following week, I was totally paralyzed. So completely paralyzed, in fact, that they had to operate on her to enable her to breathe. And for six months, Judy Roberts was a quadriplegic. The diagnosis? A neurological disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS for short. You heard Dr. Jensen talk about that. So he was aware of this. Many people obviously are. This is just me giving you a reminder. Again, this is back from the mid-1970s, 60 Minutes piece in regards to the swine flu vaccination. These neurological diseases are little understood. They affect people in different ways. As you can see in these home movies taken by a friend, Judy Roberts' paralysis confined her mostly to a wheelchair for over a year. But this disease can even kill. Indeed, there are 300 claims now pending from the families of GBS victims who died, allegedly as a result of the swine flu shot. In other GBS victims, the crippling effects diminish and all but disappear. But for Judy Roberts, progress back to good health has been painful and partial. Now, I noticed that your smile, Judy, is a little bit constricted. Yes, it is. Is it different from what it used to be? Very different. I have uh, a greatly decreased mobility in my lips. And uh, I can't drink through a straw on the right-hand side. I can't blow out birthday candles. Uh, I don't whistle anymore, for which my husband is grateful. It may be a little difficult for you to answer this question, but have you recovered as much as you are going to recover? Yes, this, this is it. So you will now have a legacy of braces on your legs for the rest of your life? Yes. The weakness in my hands will stay and the leg braces will stay. So Judy Roberts and her husband have filed a claim against the U.S. government. They're asking $12 million, though they don't expect to get nearly that much. Judy, why did you take the flu shot? I'd never taken any other flu shots, but I felt like this was going to be a major epidemic. And the only way to prevent a major epidemic of a, a really deadly variety of flu was for everybody to be immunized. Where did this so-called deadly variety of flu, where did it first hit back in 1976? So again, I apologize that you can't see that. Um, hopefully you could hear it effectively though. And I believe a very just important message, right? I, technology's advanced. You and I understand that. We know that this is the mid 1970s, but the pattern's similar. And again, I was talking to a friend about this. I don't know the long, none of us know the long-term effects of this vaccine, right? There hasn't been enough longitudinal studies. It's an emergency, emergency FDA approval. I hope everyone can understand that. Um, is that going to make it good or bad? We, don't, we honestly don't really know yet. The thing that I don't, that doesn't feel right to me, Dr. Jensen used the word bullying, um, just the constant get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated when, hey, if you're vaccinated and there's all this data here and all these articles that if you're vaccinated, you're safe, then if you're vaccinated and I'm, and I'm not, don't, don't sweat me. Don't sweat me. Right. I mean, that's the point of you going to get the vaccination. So I want to share with you. There's an interesting piece um, in the paper and we'll go back to full screen here. And can, so please continue to share your points of view here. If there's something specific that you want to talk about, 
I don't know what's going on with my computer today. I look blue, like like I'm a Smurf. <laughs> Do I look like Papa Smurf, or what's the Smurf that I look like when it goes blue? Anyways, Amanda says so true. I agree. They're pushing it too hard. Um, Kathy says propaganda. Debbie says trust your gut, know your body. Um, Pamela says I've heard people shedding, shedding from the vaccine. I've not heard that one yet. So if you hear any more information on that, Pamela, please let me know. Just you know, we're trying to get producer Anna in here um, to join us because she's having an adverse reaction to the vaccine. So she's just coming in the studio now, my StreamYard studio here. So Anna, if you can hear me, let me know because I can't see you. I'd be more than happy to at least bring you in. We can have your audio. Rhonda says, we don't need to be vaccinated. Uh, Marie says, I feel like if people don't take the time to research themselves, that is parallel to the accountability, your health is your responsibility. And that's a piece where I just wish, okay, here's Anna. Good. We're going to bring her in where you've got to take the time folks and empower yourself around your health. We're working on some more of that. I'm going to play some videos for you as we continue to educate each other and empower each other about how you can actually make what's called a bulletproof immune system. Um, Anna, can you come back on here, please? I had you there for a moment and now I don't. So if Anna can come back and join us, but if you're not aware, producer Anna Johnson's going to try to join us here in a moment, I hope. And she's been having an adverse reaction to the vaccine. So we're going to get her point of view, give her a chance to share her story with you. If you want to continue to share uh, your points of view with us, please do so. Producer AJ, if you can hear me, <laughs> we're just, we're having one of those days, I think with technology, but Again, I'm not here to tell you what to do, what's good, what's bad, what's right or wrong for you. I think the important thing is that you get yourself educated and feel empowered about what is going to be effective and what's going to work for you. And then be responsible for other people. There's a lot of people out there right now in the world that have got fear and trepidation about the situation. And I can respect that. I've got a friend of mine that's lost, I think last time they told me, you know, six or seven family members from COVID. So... I haven't had that same experience. If I had lost six or seven family members from COVID, I would have probably a certain level of trepidation around it as well. I have not had that experience. So I mean, I have the same level of trepidation, but it doesn't mean I can't have an incredible level of empathy and respect for that person. And they may want more social distancing. They may want me to wear a mask, things of that nature. And I, and I can appreciate that. And I don't have a problem with that because your experience is different than mine. I'll be respectful of your experience. Jennifer Jean says here, what? You've not heard of the menstrual cycles causing issues in women and people getting sick beyond the menstrual cycle thing I've heard of, Jennifer. I just haven't heard. And again, maybe I apologize for my ignorance around the the verbiage here. Someone said that that there's been shedding. I guess. <laughs> Am I showing my ignorance right now? Where is shedding a a menstrual term that I should know and, and don't? If if that's the case, then you know what? I apologize and please uh School me up. Why do you vaccinate for a virus that's got over a 99? It's, it's actually, Rhonda, uh, last data I checked here, it was 98.3% survival rate in America. Um, okay, good. That's that's what I thought. The vaccine shedding is a term for reactions from the shot. Thank you, Amanda. I, I, I was like, I don't think I'm missing that, but <laughs> if I am, you know what? I, I have to own up to it and my bad. So thank you for that. Um, no vaccine. Thank you very much from Pamela. Marie translated as the word for shedding, I think. 
Um, so again, Anna says she's going to be here in just two minutes, guys. If you can give me uh, less than two minutes now, hopefully Anna's going to join us. But I think it's important for you to hear her story. Uh, earlier today, we did a live stream after Joe Biden did his speech earlier today regarding the COVID-19 situation, the vaccine program. And somebody said their grandma too had an adverse reaction to the second shot of the vaccine. And to be fair, there's a lot of people out there that aren't having an adverse reaction. So I'm not trying to say that everyone's having it. I just thought it was fascinating to hear Dr. Jensen say, hey, Chris, I've got patients now that are coming in to me and saying that they regret the fact that they got the vaccine. That 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 comment blew me uh, away. So uh, vaccine shedding is also happening to people who haven't had the shot as well. I don't know how that's possible, but now I look like uh, Papa Smurf again. So hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully that will change. There was some more that I wanted to share with you today, but I want to also see if we can get um, Anna here to jump in. And there was some conversation yesterday on Meet the Press in regards to so any, anything else anybody wants to talk about with the masking, the vaccine. If you want to share some more points of view here, please do so. Be more than happy to share your point of view with people. But also we, we've been talking here with Dr. Jensen in regards to the media, right? And how the media has handled this, even from the standpoint that I said to Dr. Jensen, like, I didn't go to school in Mensa. I understand that. I'm not sitting here saying that I've got an Oxford degree or anything, but the fact that you've got these national quote unquote talk show hosts or reporters and no one's saying, hey, look, we've, we've had 30 plus million cases of COVID. And you just heard Dr. Jensen say that he's got some cases or some patients that have had the antibodies now for over a year and not one national report, at least that I've seen, has also brought that number into the conversation going, okay, now we've got X number of people vaccinated plus 30 million people that have got the COVID antibodies. Now, I I, I personally think that's irresponsible reporting. You know, is the, the antibody is going to be perfect and get, make you bulletproof? I don't know, but I don't hear of a lot of people that are getting it twice. I know it's happened. Okay. I know it's happened, but it's not a regular instance. So, uh, Pamela says, yes, Pamela, people that are vaxxed are shedding the virus to other people. Um, Susan or Suzanne, thank you for joining us, says the fact that there's zero information about long-term effects should scare you. I had COVID and I'm still having adverse effects from it six months later. I've got a friend of mine, Susan, that is having like brain fog. Um, but I'd rather have that than not know what an unstudied long-term vaccine will do to me. I've got autoimmune issues. So only God knows what would happen. Producer AJ, uh, I'm going to see bring you in here and see if we can at least hear you. Um, I don't know what's going on, Producer AJ, but this is uh, frustrating. So if you can figure it out, that would be fantastic. I'm going to get rid of this situation here. Um, Jennifer says, cannot say anything bad about the company that is paying the bills. 75 plus percent is in pharma ads. Thank you for asking the questions. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... I think critically important for all of us to begin to ask some questions. Producer AJ, are you able to jump in here or what, what exactly is happening? She must be in a bad location. So um, Amanda, people who have been around someone who has had the shot has been having reactions, ranges from headaches, numbness, menstrual problems. Women in menopause have been having cycles. So odd. I've not heard that women in menopause have been now getting cycles back due to the vaccine. 
That seems a little wow to me. Um, Marie Translation, thank you for that. So uh, to everybody, thank you so much for joining us here today. I, as always, cannot thank you enough for being part of the Point of View community. I think you can see here from the comments that we have got one of, if not the smartest audience out there on the planet. It is just so refreshing and empowering and honestly exciting to see you guys say, whoa, 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 wait a second here. I, I want to know exactly what's going on with this. And I want to ensure that I'm going to be responsible around my own health because there is a lot. And I've said this now for quite some time. There are a lot of persuasion tools that are being used on you and your family to go get the vaccine. Okay. Now, the vaccine may work for you. It may be great. It may be perfect. And that's fantastic for you. All I want you to be aware of are these persuasion tools that are being used. Okay. So Anna is now able to join us. So we're going to get a chance to have her share her story. Um, Marie, as always, yeah, we love having you be here. I, I want more people to share their points of view with us in the comments. So please continue to do so. Producer AJ, uh, it's been, been quite a day for you. So thank you. Boy, I can see in your face that I shouldn't even smile about that. So I'm going to kind of let you just take the floor. I've been promoting you like crazy. So if you don't mind, just share your story and, and tell us uh, what's happening with your second shot. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's been a week. So all of the reasons that people get a COVID shot, right? One, I imagine being like, they don't want to be sick for a week or they're going to be traveling or they have at-risk family members or they, they feel the pressure like you were talking about to go back to work or to not wear masks or whatever it is, right? So I decided to get the COVID vaccine for a number of those reasons. I decided to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because I did not really trust. I didn't want to get a vaccine in the first place, but since I was going to, I didn't really trust the MRNA version of the vaccine since that's so new, it's never been done and I'm not about to do that. So I did my research and for the reasons people were getting blood clots, I didn't have any of the risk factors. It made sense to do the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which by the way is a one shot vaccine. So I got that Tuesday. Um, I had the general arm soreness like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday morning, I woke up at 6 a.m. sicker than I've ever been in my entire life. And um, Chris can probably attest to it. I still did some work, but I was as incapacitated as I could be um, with every possible symptom. And I mean, for sure, every COVID symptom, if not additional symptoms, just for fun. I have no idea what was going on there. And to the point where I couldn't even drink water. Like I, I could only just suck on ice for the first 24 hours of it. After that, I've slowly been weaning off symptoms. Like I said, I got the vaccine Tuesday. Um, Friday, I was super, super sick. Today is Monday. And at this point, I'm still a little bit nauseous. I still have like abdominal issues. I have headaches that come and go, uh, dizziness, shortness of breath. I'm lethargic. I'm completely exhausted. I have absolutely no stamina. Like literally, if I stand up for five minutes, I need to take a nap. So... I appreciate the irony in that the point, one of the reasons, I guess, the point of getting the vaccine is so that you are not 
sick when you get COVID or you're not as sick. And I think it's hilarious that, and I mean that sarcastically, that I am probably more sick from the vaccine than I would have been if I had actually just taken the chances and gotten COVID in the first place. So I don't appreciate that. So let me tell you about my day. Um, I actually took my daughter in. She just wasn't feeling well and it's allergies. It's no big deal. But while I was there, the doctor was like, you don't look very good. Are you feeling okay? And so I explained what was going on. And she's like, well, you really should go see somebody. So I did. And that person was like, you know, we really should do some testing to make sure that A, you don't have COVID and that B, you don't have blood clots. So I got tested. I don't have COVID. That's cool. I then went and got blood testing to make sure I don't have any propensity for blood clots. Um, they did find some things, but they just felt like you probably don't have any. It's unlikely we're not going to jump to doing a chest scan at the moment. It sucks for you that you can't breathe, but you're probably not going to die. So where I'm at now is I've definitely lost like four days of my life. I just spent half of today in the hospital and they're just basically saying it is due to long-term COVID vaccine side effects, which is probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And so I'm really, really not happy about this. I'm just gonna add this extra fun little tidbit of knowledge, Chris and I haven't even talked about this, but my dad died in a very traumatic way after getting blood clots. So I feel like to add insult to injury, I can't even tell my family about it because that's gonna give them PTSD on this whole thing. So that's been my experience with the COVID vaccine. So first off, thank you for sharing. I mean, a lot of people are reacting to your story. And one of the things that they're asking is have you reported this to VAERS, to the CDC? Who have you reported it to? I really did. Yeah. This morning I woke up super frustrated that I'm still not feeling well and I did a full VAERS report. And what does that mean exactly? So it's um, when you get the vaccine, they give you this whole packet. One of the parts of the packet is if you have any side effects, please report it to us because we have a database of side effects because there must be enough of them. And so you have to fill out like who your medical provider is, where you got the vaccine, what vaccine you got, if you even know um, like everything that was on the label, which I didn't, but I was able to give enough information, like the date, the time, exactly what your side effects were, how long they lasted, if you still have them, if you sought additional treatment after for the side effects. So I completed that full report this morning. Um, I did, since I wasn't feeling well and I had a feeling I might end up going to the doctor, I did put on there that I would be seeking medical attention if the side effects didn't subside. So basically we're caught up, but I did give them everything they could ever possibly want to know about my side effects. So, and this is a very personal question. I'm not a doctor, so you can say, Chris, I'm going to pass on this. But one of the things that keeps coming up in the comments, Bruce or AJ, is people talking about mm -hmm. menstrual issues. So if you want to pass, please pass. But if you want to talk about that, that's what else is people are asking about. Well, for one thing, I just got the vaccine Tuesday. So it hasn't really been 
long enough to know if that's an issue. Um, but I will say, like I had mentioned, I picked the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because I didn't have the risk factors. One of the risk factors is um, obviously women that are childbearing age, but partly women who are on some form of contraceptive because that can somehow make you a little more prone to blood clots. Um, I guess without sharing too much detail, I'm not on that, but that's because we've completed our family planning and we're done. I have a lot of freaking kids, so no more. Um, so that's really not an issue for me, but, but other things that were on the list, like if you're obese, if you have a, a regular or high carb diet, I'm on a low carb diet. Um, so I didn't have any of those issues. Now I could maybe answer that question in two or three months based on my own statistical analysis, but for now I don't have an answer on that. Well, <clears throat> just know that we are praying for you, AJ, because it's so just everybody knows. I mean, AJ is like she she is a hard worker, always has a great attitude. And I talked to her a couple times today and I could just tell like I'm going to let you just deal with your life today and we will talk later because it. This is actually the most I've talked today. I'm sorry. This is the most I've talked today. And are you okay? I mean, do you have enough energy to do that? Or would you, do you want to let you go or? No, no, I'm yeah, I can handle it. But then you know how I am. I handle things. Exactly. So we will be respectful. That one, one last question, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. uh, again, you can always pass on these, but they're asking, will you get your kids? vaccinated <laughs> no <laughs> i really won't i wouldn't recommend anybody vaccinated at this point um but for sure not my children i mean i'm i'm a healthy person in my 30s and in theory if i got COVID, i probably wouldn't die from it i'd be fine my kids are even like 10 times healthier than i am so there's no reason to believe that they would have any issue at all um, after this experience, even when my kids turn 18, I do have, I do have a child that's, um, 21 this year. I've not spoken to her about the vaccine. I'm not necessarily going to recommend it. Um, but I won't be recommending, mending it to my children. It's like you either can gamble that you're going to get COVID and that it might be bad enough for you to go to the hospital, or you can get the vaccine with pretty fair certainty that you're going to get sick and it might be just as bad as COVID. And I will say that when I did go in to get my vaccine, um, the nurse that was there that administered it, you know, I had expressed apprehension and she said, yeah, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but you're doing a good thing. And just so you know, we have to explain the list of side effects you will likely experience in the next 72 hours. So the fact that they're that vocal about you will probably have side effects is that's great. I guess I've never had side effects from any vaccine ever, and I've gotten all of the ones I was supposed to prior to this. So, so if we can all uh, give producer AJ a big round of applause as you're watching this, because it takes a lot of courage to come on and I think share this story. So producer AJ, thanks so much for doing that. I really want to ask people to share this video with family and friends. I mean, you've got Dr. Jensen that was sharing just, I believe, incredible information. Now you've got this anecdotal story from producer AJ and her experience. Um, and again, you you need to make your own health decisions. I just think it's important that you have a lot of different points of view and perspectives so that you can make 
the most informed decision for you and your family. So Jennifer AJ says, hey, pray for healing. Um, Rhonda, appreciate you all. Pamela, thank you and feel better. Debbie, thank you, AJ, and God bless you. Yeah, so um, Lois, thank you, AJ. You and Chris make an excellent team. Thank you for that. I, I think we I think we kind of do, producer AJ, so I'll give us a... Uh, um, Judy says, we love you, Anna. Um, you. Amanda, we appreciate it. Uh, Kathy says, thank you for sharing, AJ. So I, I know it takes a lot of courage, AJ, to do it. And I just wanted to say thank you for, for sharing your truth because I believe right now it's critically important as we have all this pressure and persuasion, uh, getting something that may work great for some people and may not be the ideal situation, I'll say for you, AJ, um, for others. Um, got one more comment, AJ, and then we'll go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's challenging too. For somebody who didn't want to get the vaccine in the first place, which I didn't, I was very much against it for all of these reasons. And I, I'd like to consider myself a very reasonable, logical person. And the scientific evidence was not enough to convince me to get it, but I did because I felt the pressure to, the societal pressure. And I, I have things, you know, in my life where, you know, better safe than sorry. So for somebody that didn't want to get it in the first place, and then I got it, and then I had almost the worst possible reaction aside from dying, I'm very upset. Very, very, very upset about it. One of the things, AJ, I don't know if you were on when Dr. Jensen was sharing with us, but he said that he's had a lot, and I don't know what that number means, but he said he's had a lot of his patients that have come back into his office and say they regret getting the vaccine. So I think what he said, and you may want to watch this for clarity and specificity, but take vitamin D, take your zinc, do what you can to try to restore maybe a more normalized immune system. Um, and we, you're in our prayers. I just want you to know that because I know that you were reticent about it. I know you're a prayerful person and I can only imagine your internal dialogue, knowing how prayerful you are and then doing it because you thought it was the right thing to do and not have to go through this. Um, if you want to talk about your internal dialogue, I personally, I, I would love to hear. And if you don't, I respect that too. I, is this investigative journalism? Like, you know how when someone's a journalist, right, they, they want to understand all sides of an issue, so they really dig in to try to understand it. And now I'm starting to wonder if my life has become investigative journalism. Like, the fact that, and I, I will admit, I had a curiosity about the vaccine, and you can only get so much anecdotal evidence from other people. And that may have weighed a little bit into my decision to get it, of just the curiosity of what actually happens. Because, you know, People say all the time, like, can you trust the media? Can you trust the information you're getting from the CDC or Dr. Fauci? And so now having gotten it myself, that to me, obviously, is a very persuasive situation that I've been through. Now understanding how I'm dealing with it. But, you know, I, I just didn't trust the science. I haven't seen enough evidence to have swayed me that way. I am a very prayerful person and I honestly, I've been praying my face off that I don't get blood clots or that I don't die from this more so than I've ever prayed about any of me or my family dying of COVID. I'm more concerned about the vaccines than I am of that. Um, but being a prayerful person, 
I know that God has a plan. I would really like to hope his plan does not include me dying before my time because I was one of the people that got the vaccine. And there's like a science fiction angle in my brain that's like, what if 10 years from now, people are reading history books and they're like, yeah, you remember that? Like a few years ago, everybody who got the vaccine died or turned into a zombie or something weird like that. I mean, who knows? Honestly, weird stuff happens in this world. I'm just going to trust that God has a plan. And maybe the fact that I can share my story will help other people have information that they need to make the best decision for their family. I don't know, but I guess time will tell. Well, AJ, if you don't mind, I'm going to say a prayer right now since we've got people here and they can uh, join in with us. And so if everyone would, please just want to bow your heads. If you want to join us, say your own kind of silent prayer. But Father, we just ask that you guide AJ's footsteps, um, give her wisdom through this process. And we all know it says in Romans 28, all things work together for the good of those that love God. So if you can use this for her good and help her God use it for the greater good of our nation and this world, uh, we would be grateful for that. I know you did some of that today, but maybe give her an inclination or um, guide her footsteps, Lord, to lead her to some more truth around what's going on here and uh, help her share that with the people of this world. And most importantly, Lord, we just ask for a uh, Godspeed healing. Just cover her in your blood, Father, and uh, help her heal as quickly as possible, a full and complete healing in every fiber and molecule of her being and uh, keep her and her family uh, safe and sound. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot, AJ. So this thank you. My life. A lot of people have got your back, AJ. I'll tell you that. So I I will say I've noticed a few comments pop up. There are a lot of pressures and there are family members. I have family members at odds with other family members because some chose to get the vaccine and some are against the vaccine. It is a personal health decision, and please don't let that pressure affect your decision. It did affect mine a little bit, so just don't let that pressure affect your decision. And, you know, people do need to make their own health decisions. This is a very tricky situation, a very difficult thing to weigh for yourself. So if you get it, don't feel guilty. If you don't get it, don't feel guilty. Well said. We need to leave it there because... I don't really know how to edit stuff. Producer AJ does. And we're going to get this into the show. So uh, Producer AJ, I'm going to hit end here. I'll call you in a moment. I guess we can just talk on this when we end this. But again, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, please, please share this video with your family and friends. The content is absolutely incredible. And I think it's so important that people uh, hear what Dr. Jensen and Producer AJ uh, had to say today. Look at that. Now I'm even starting to rhyme. So that is a very, very good sign. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Tune in tonight, 6.30 p.m. Let people know we'll be playing parts of this uh, show from today. And that we'll be doing this again tomorrow as well. Thank you and God bless.